Well, happy Father's Day, everyone, and I want to meet that 150-year-old father. If he's around, I would (laughs) love to be able to meet him. Y'all make some great-looking kids. For those of you that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North, both the Merida and Canton campuses. It's good to be with you today. I'm usually here every month, once a month, but I wasn't able to be with you last month, so I haven't been here in a little while, and so it's great to be with you today, especially on Father's Day. Now, speaking of dads, Jesus Christ tells a story that's recorded in Luke, in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 15. And it's a story of a dad and two sons. We often call it the prodigal son. And the story goes like this. The younger son comes to the dad and says, hey, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait for you to die. And in that culture... To come to your father before he dies and ask for the inheritance was a big insult. It was as if to say, I wish you were dead. And so the dad tells the younger son, here, you can have your inheritance. And he gives the younger son his inheritance. And the younger son goes, the story says, and he squanders all the inheritance on wild living and loose morals. And he ends up penniless, practically homeless, starving to death, sitting in a pig pen. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go back home and I'm going to throw myself at the mercy of my father. And hopefully, hopefully he'll he'll just make me one of his hired hands. And so that's what he does. And he starts heading home. And Jesus Christ says in the story that the dad was looking for his son to come back the whole time. And it says he saw the son coming at a great, great distance. And the dad ran to him, met him, hugged him, kissed him. And the son said, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be your son Will you make me a hired hand? The dad said, no way. You are my son. And he put a ring on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. He put a robe on his back. And those are all symbols of total reinstated sonship. And he killed a fatted calf and he threw this huge party for his young son because his son had come home. Now, the older son, this entire time has been loyal to the dad. He's been obedient to his dad. And he's out in the field. And he doesn't know any of this is going on. So when he comes back in, he hears this party going on and he asks what's happening. And they said, your brother has come home and your dad's throwing him a huge party. Well, this made the older son livid. He hit the roof and the dad went out to him because the older son wouldn't come into the party. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 28. And this is what we see that Jesus Christ says. says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time. We thank you for the sense of your presence that is here with us right now. Father, I ask now in the name of Jesus that you help us to understand the love of our Heavenly Father. That you will help us to see exactly how he cares for us. Help us to see who he is And what he means in our lives. Father, I pray that for those in this room that understands that love the least. All the way to those in this room that understands that love 
the most. Be with me now. Help me to share exactly what you want shared. For your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. When I was 13 years old in the 8th grade, the 8th grade at that time was a part of high school. There was no junior high or middle school. It was 8th through the 12th grade. In fact, 8th graders were called sub-freshmen. Now, you, you can't get any lower than to be beneath a freshman. I mean, that's below the bottom of the barrel. And it was really intimidating for a 13-year-old to be in the same school with 16, 17, and 18-year-olds. Well, about my third day of high school, about three upperclassmen decided they were going to throw their weight around with me. And they got me pinned up against my locker. And they're pulling stuff out of my locker. And they're kind of pushing me around. And I'm doing everything I can to fend them off without starting to fight because I knew they could beat the snot out of me. And I'm scared and tears are beginning to well up in my eyes. And I know if I cry, I am dead meat. My high school career from here on out is ruined. So I am just totally, completely intimidated and frightened. don't know what I'm going to do. About that time, this voice came down from the other end of the hall and said, Hey, leave my little brother alone. And it was my older brother, Paul. He's three years older than me. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But at that time, he was 16, a junior. He was an upperclassman. And he also was a star basketball player. So everybody in the school knew him. And when these guys looked up and saw that it was my brother, they said, Oh, Paul, this is your little brother. We didn't know this was your little brother. Man, we're sorry. Oh, he's all right. You're cool. And they started picking stuff up and putting it back in my locker. They started straightening out my shirt if they'd crumpled it all up. And then they started yelling to everybody in the hallway. Hey, everybody, this is Paul Walker's little brother. This is little Paul, everybody. This is little Paul. For the eighth and ninth grade years, I was known as little Paul. Nobody knew my first name is Mark. Anybody calls me little Paul, I will slap you in the name of Jesus. And my brother and I were typical sibling rivalry stuff all growing up. Especially at that age. But man, I was never more glad than to take on my brother's little, my, my brother's name as his little brother. Be, be called Little Paul because it elevated me from a sub-freshman nobody to an upperclassman person. I got more upperclassman benefits as a sub-freshman because of my older brother. Now, in this story that Jesus Christ tells us, we're going to see how the older brother, Christ, elevates all of us to a higher status by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in this story, Christ is talking to two audiences. He's talking to one audience that's tax collectors and sinners, Luke tells us. And these are the prostitutes and the thieves, and these are the misfits and the outcasts of society. That's one audience. The other audience is the Pharisees. They're the religious elite snobs. And those are the people that Christ is talking to. Now, he made sure they understood who they were in the story. The younger brother represented the outcasts, the tax collectors and sinners. The older brother, he represented the religious elites and snobs. And Jesus Christ said that the father represented God. And what Christ is trying to show in this story is he's trying to show the amazing love and mercy and grace that God the father has for all people. But he also wants these two to understand that they are equally alienated from God. 
He wants both parties to see they're equally alienated from God because both sons are equally alienated from the father. And they're alienated because both sons, they didn't love their dad, they loved his stuff. It was all about the stuff. It wasn't about a relationship with their dad. The younger one was alienated by his rebellion and self-centeredness. He wanted this stuff. He didn't want anything to do with his dad. You're dead to me. And he left. And and that was his rebellion and self-centeredness and that kind of sin. Whereas the older brother, he was alienated by his religion and self-righteousness. That he thought he was moral and righteous enough and deserved all the stuff, whether or not he had a relationship with the father or not. And Jesus Christ is basically trying to say, hey, look, both of you are equally alienated just from different perspectives. And there's only one way back to relationship with the Father. And that's through repentance and grace. There's only one way back. You can't earn it. You can't can't work your way back. You can't get to a place where you deserve it. It takes repentance. And that's what he was showing by the younger brother. When the younger brother finally realized his brokenness and his bankruptcy, I mean, he just turned and came back to the father Just said, hey, I've lost everything. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve anything from you. But here I am. And the father, by his wonderful grace, doesn't make him a hired hand. He brings him back to the table fully restored as his son. A beautiful picture of repentance and restoration and reconciliation with the dad. And see, what Christ was trying to show the Pharisees is, guys... You think you're moral and religious, but you're not moral enough and you're not religious enough. No matter how righteous you think you are, you aren't righteous enough. And the same way the young son came home is the same way you have to come home. You have to recognize your brokenness. You have to recognize that no matter how good you are, you are not good enough. And it's interesting. The close of the story The older brother is still alienated from the father. And the younger brother is restored. And the one you think is going to be sitting at the table isn't. And the one that you think isn't going to be sitting at the table is. And he's trying to help both parties see how much God the father loves them. But he's also trying to help the Pharisees see that they aren't true Older brothers. Because you see, in the family at Jesus' time, the oldest brother, the oldest, excuse me, the oldest son had more responsibilities in the family than anybody in any of the other siblings. They had tremendous responsibility towards their younger siblings, especially their younger brothers. And he's trying to help the Pharisees see, look, you have not been a true older brother to these younger brothers, to these outcasts. You haven't been what you should be. And the older brother's responsibilities were a couple of things. One, the older brother would help care for the family. A part of his responsibility was to help care and manage the household. He would help with the family business. He would help with the children as like a second dad figure, if you will. And that's one of the reasons the oldest male child got the lion's share of the inheritance. Because they had greater responsibility. Now, in this story, the oldest son... 
The older brother would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger son, the younger brother, would have gotten one-third of the inheritance. I want you to keep that in mind. The older brother would have gotten two-thirds. The younger brother would have gotten one-third. One-third because the older brother had greater responsibilities. And as a true older brother who is to help care for the family, the older brother should have willingly gone after the younger brother. An older brother's responsibility was to willingly go after the younger brother. When the younger brother decided, you know what? I don't want to be a son in this family anymore. When the younger brother said, hey, I, I, I want you to be dead, dad. I'm not going to be your son. You know what? He walked away from his sonship. See, being a son in a Jewish family at the time of Christ was more than just being the male child. It was a place of status. It was a place of position because it was the sons that carried on the family business and it was the sons that carried the family name. And so he's true choosing to forfeit his place at the table, to forfeit his relationship. See, literally, he was dead to the father, not physically, but in relationship. Remember, the father in the story said, my son was dead Now he's alive, but the son wasn't dead physically. The son was dead in relationship to the dad. There was no relationship here. And that was the main thing. And what you and I have to understand, when you and I choose to live life without God, when we choose to be on our own, we are dead spiritually. We're alive physically, but we're dead spiritually. See, every one of us is an eternal being. Every one of us will live forever. It's just a matter of where we're going to live. This physical body is going to go back to the earth. But our spiritual body that the Lord has made within us is going to live forever. And if we die physically without a relationship with our Father, without our Heavenly Father, if we die physically without that, we will live eternally separated from Him in a place called hell. But if we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, when we die physically, we'll live with Him forever in eternal life in heaven. And see, the son had no relationship with the dad. And a true older brother would have gone after him to bring him back. And a true other brother's responsibility would have been to willingly pay for the, other brother, the younger brother's return. To willingly pay for it. Now listen, somebody, somebody had to pay for the sandals. Somebody had to pay for the ring. Somebody had to pay for the robe. Somebody had to pay for the party. Killing a fattened calf in that day, that was a luxury. That was a delicacy. You saved the fattened calf for the highest of celebrations. Somebody had to pay for it. You know who paid for it? Why? Remember, the dad had already given one third of the inheritance to the younger brother. What was left? Two thirds. Who did the two-thirds belong to? That's why he was so hacked off. That's exactly why. That's my stuff you're giving him. You're giving my stuff to that scoundrel. And did you notice in the interaction between his dad and him? He didn't call him my brother. He said, your son. But did you notice when the dad talked to him, he said, that brother of yours has returned. See, there's no true older brother in the story. But let me tell you, there may not be a true older brother in the story, 
But there is a true older brother for you and I in our lives. And see, Jesus Christ purposely left out the older brother, the true older brother, one, to convict the Pharisees, but number two, to let everybody know, I am the true older brother. I've come from the Father who loves you with an everlasting love. I have brought all the stuff of the Father. I've come after you to bring you back to the Father, to return you to where you belong. And by the beaten back of Jesus Christ, you and I once again can wear the robes of sonship and daughtership at the table of our Heavenly Father. By the nails in the feet of Jesus Christ, you and I can wear the sandals of sonship and daughtership at the table of our Heavenly Father. By the nail-pierced hands of Jesus Christ, you and I once again can wear the ring of sonship and daughtership at the table of our Heavenly Father because of the the, the crown of thorns upon Christ's head, you and I can once again be crowned with the glory of sonship and daughtership at the table of the Heavenly Father. We have a true older brother. That if we will respond in repentance, we find ourselves completely alienated from Him. He will restore us To where we belong. He takes us. From sub freshman nobodies. To upperclassmen somebodies. At the table. Jesus Christ. Now how do we. How does that really happen. And how do we really live. Is that me popping around up here by the way. Do I need to do anything. Just don't pop. Right just. Just don't do that, whatever I'm doing, right? All right. If that gets too bad, I'll go to another mic. But how do we do that? How do we, how do we live in this son and daughtership? How does, how does that happen? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's the Holy Spirit that brings to us the sonship and the daughtership that Christ provides to us from the Heavenly Father. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 Beginning in verse 15, he begins to talk about this role of the Spirit. So pay very close attention here. Do I need to move to another mic? Would that help? That's one, two, testing. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Now that I'm totally undressed up here. All right, I I, I really don't know where I am in the sermon, so I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning, and I'm going to work back up. Romans 8, thank you very much. So where does the real Holy Spirit play in this? Romans 8, Paul is writing. Look what he says. The Spirit. Say the Spirit. Spirit. Now see, it's a large S. The Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is God. I'm sure Pastor Jeremy in the past couple of sermons we've talked about the Holy Spirit has clearly stated that He is God. 100%, fully, completely, totally God. So the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit, big S, you receive... Brought about your adoption to what? Sonship, which includes daughtership. It's expanded to, to in generality for both uh, male and female. And by Him, the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, our older brother, 
If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. See, there's no way to know Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. There's no way to walk in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Him, brings His life into our lives. When we choose, when we choose to turn to God in repentance and say, I want to leave my life and I'm giving my life to you. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in us and upon us and brings us everything that Jesus Christ has for us from our Heavenly Father. Now, Paul just wrote that His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is testifying with our spirit, our eternal being, that we're what? Children of God. The Holy Spirit is constantly reinforcing and confirming and reminding us that we are His children. We belong in Christ at the table. Does that make sense to anybody? See, it's the Spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, reconfirming, reminding, telling us over and over and over again who we are. We're His children. That's who we are. He's constantly telling me that I'm His favorite child of all His children. Doesn't He tell you that? Look at your neighbor saying, I'm His favorite. See, man, that's, in a way... We need to feel. I don't deserve to sit here. But by his wonderful love and grace and mercy. Through my older brother Jesus Christ. I can sit here. And I will sit here. This is who I am. So the spirit of the father. What does he provide? Very quickly. The spirit of the father provides us security. Provides us security. What did Paul say? We don't have a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. We don't need to be afraid of God. He's a God of judgment. Absolutely. He's a God of purity and holiness and righteousness. And His judgment is coming, no doubt about that. But for those of us that are in Christ, for those of us that are His children, for those of us that have given our lives to Him, and by His grace sit at His table as His son or His daughter, we don't have to worry about His judgment. We've passed under His judgment already because the judgment of God was poured out on our older brother at the cross that we deserved, but He took it for us. We've come out from under that judgment. Now we sit at the table and we can be secure. This is where I belong. This is who I am and I'm secure of eternity. What did Paul say? We are co-heirs. We're co-heirs. Co-heirs with Christ. We have an eternal glory. We're right now sharing in the sufferings. We share in this fallen world where there's all kind of hurt and pain and difficulty and hardship. And all of us have tasted us and all of us have walked in that. But can I say to you, it is temporary. This is passing by. If we're a follower of Christ, if we're a son and a daughter sitting at the heavenly father's table, the Holy Spirit wants to constantly remind us this is not our home. We are headed home. We have an eternal destiny awaiting each and every one of us. That's the security that I have. Listen, folks, we are not children of our past. We're not children of our sins. We're not children of our brokenness. We're not children of our hurt. We're not children of our woundedness. We're not children of this economy. We are children of Almighty God through our elder brother by the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. That's where I live. I have that security by the Spirit of the Father. Secondly, the Spirit of the Father provides intimacy. Security and intimacy. What did, he, what did he say about the Holy Spirit? By Him we cry, Abba, Father. That term Abba is, is a term of endearment. It's like saying Daddy. It's like saying Papa. That we literally, because 
We have a place at the table. We can be intimate with Him. You know, it's one that's a great thing about children, isn't it? I mean, our kids, we just let them, they just climb all over us and pull at us and they get around our feet. We love it. They're our kids. We want them to be close. My wife just the other day was at the mall with our granddaughter, Kennedy. And they just had some time together and she was walking around the mall and holding Kennedy. And, you know, kids are just grabbing you and pulling all over the place. You don't care. My wife came walking out of the mall and didn't realize that and all of Kennedy's clawing at her and just, just pulling on her while she was holding her. She had pulled half her bra out and it was hanging out. <laughs> walking all through the mall, man. <laughs> but there are kids. We don't care. It's intimacy. My daughter-in-law, Amanda, she was talking about how she was, uh, it was in the morning and she was in the, her, her, her bathroom, the master bathroom, just getting ready for the day and putting on some makeup and just trying to get dressed. And Kennedy was playing in her playroom. But the next thing she knows, Kennedy comes marching right into the bathroom, pulling two big sacks of blocks, sits right down the middle of the bathroom and pours all the blocks out right in the center of the floor. She's got this perfectly good playroom in the other. I mean, has plenty of room. No, 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 no. She's going to go right in the bathroom where her mother's trying to get dressed and just dump all the blocks right there in the middle of the floor and play. So Amanda's having to step over her trying to get ready. Why? The kid wanted to be close to mama. We got a daddy that lets us come into his throne room and dump all our blocks and broken toys and uncertainties and confusions and insecurities. And he just lets us sit there and play and he pours out his presence into our lives. Intimacy. Man, I can call him daddy, papa. And then lastly... And this isn't the last thing. It's the last thing I'm going to share with you about what the Spirit of the Father provides. Intimacy, security, and family. Family. See, the Holy Spirit makes us a family of true older brothers and sisters. What did Paul say in Romans 15? Romans 8, 15. He said, hey, we're co-heirs with Christ, but together. He said, we He's talking about a community. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that makes us a community, a family. If we're followers of Christ, we are brothers and sisters together at the Father's table. It's what makes us a family. You know, and I'm going to invite the band to come up if they would. It, you know, the uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, especially Pentecostal church, I just want to ask the question, who, who, who might have been raised in, in Pentecostal church? Raise your hand. All right, we've got, we got several. You know, back in the day, you called everybody brother and sister. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Even some settings today, you'll hear that, brother so-and-so. In fact, back in the day, I wouldn't be calling Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy. I'd be calling Brother Isaacs, Sister Isaacs. I've heard some men even refer to their wives as Sister Walker or Sister so-and-so. I'm like... That's going a little too far, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, we kind of make fun of that a little bit and it kind of a little hokey. But the truth of the matter is, what we were trying to emphasize back in that day is that we truly are a family of God. Regardless where we come from, we all have to come by repentance and grace. It's the only way to the table through the elder brother. 
And the Holy Spirit wants to make us a community, one with the other. True elders and, 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 and true brothers and sisters towards one another that go after each other, that are willing to sacrifice for one another, that are willing to pray for one another, that are willing to hang in there with one another. That's why throughout all the New Testament, there's like some 50 plus one another scriptures talking to the church because we're a family, we're a community. That's why here we are unapologetic about the idea of making friends and serving others. By being a community and a family together. I think it was last year. Udella and I went on vacation. And we left on a Sunday afternoon. Preached that morning. Went home real quick. Grabbed a bite to eat. Jumped in the car. And headed out of town for the next 10 days. We got back home 10 days later. Started listening to our voicemail. And a lady had called the day we left for vacation. So it's a 10-day-old message. And she said, Pastor, you don't know me. I live in Texas. My brother and his fiance just recently relocated to Atlanta. Hadn't been there very long, but they've been attending your church. Said he's in the hospital right now and he's dying. And I don't want him to be alone or die alone. Would you? Would you go or send somebody to be with him? It's a 10-day-old message. And man, I'm frantic. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Nobody knows. I wonder if he's still alive. I wonder. I was very frantic about it. And it was, it was in the evening when I got the message or listened to the message. So I had to wait till the next day. And I called our pastoral care folks that handle all of our visitation to hospitals and that type of thing. And I said, if you, and his name was Wayne, I said, if you, have you got any kind of a record of a person named Wayne, somebody calling, visiting them in the hospital or anything about that? Because I, I told him what the message was. I said, I need to know, is he still alive? Has anybody visited him? Do I need to go see him? Pastoral care staff called me back just a little while later and said, Pastor, rest it. Be at ease. Said, there's been somebody there to visit him every single day. We got the message. Elders have been there. Said they're a part of a life group, Pastor. He and his fiance. And the life group has been there every day. Somebody from the life group. Somebody has been there from our church every single day with him. And I said, well, is he still alive? Said, no, Pastor, he died. And we handled the funeral. And nobody even hardly knew him, but we handled the funeral and everything. I got a little note from the sister who had called and left the message. She said, I just want you to know the calls and the visits and the prayers and the support of your church really made Wayne feel like someone cared about him. Wayne was a believer. But the last few visits from the elders and the life group really helped Wayne overcome his fear of death and kept him in peace about his relationship with God. That's... That's the family of God. We help one another understand our place at the table. Better solidify our relationship with our dad, our heavenly dad. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of us in this room, ever since we've opened this campus. You've been attending or started attending at some point in the process. 
At one point in time, you had been walking with God. But you'd gotten away from Him. He came in here and you started feeling something draw you. You started feeling something pull in your heart. You know who it was? It's the Holy Spirit. You know what He was doing? He was drawing you home. It was the older brother coming after you by the Holy Spirit of God to bring you do something to close out and, and, and thank you for your patience and our technical difficulties and wardrobe malfunctions and whatever else we had going on up here I want to do something that may get you out of your comfort zone a little bit and if this is too uncomfortable for you that's okay you don't have to participate it won't show anything about your spirituality so don't worry about that but I want us to be a family to one another for a moment I want us here in just a moment just to find a couple other people maybe. You know them, may not know them. And just simply have a moment of praying for one another. To share a need. Now, when you share the need, it doesn't need to be war and peace. You don't need to go that, you know, when I was four years old, I lost it. But just whatever your present need, I need you to say, I, 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 I pray for my family or pray for my daughter or pray for my business. It can be that simple. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out. And then you, just there as a, as a group of two or three or whatever, just pray for one another. Can, can we believe that the Spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is in this place to do a work in our lives and meet our needs as we, as brothers and sisters, just pray for one another? Now, you may say, Pastor, I really don't know how to pray. Then all you got to do, if that person says, pray for my daughter, all you got to do is say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this person's daughter. Help them. Amen. That's it. Let the Heavenly Father do the rest. Is this making sense to anybody? Can we be a family here for a moment? Can we do that? I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. And then you can do as simple as just turning right there by the person beside you or behind you. And just simply, if you don't know them, introduce them very quickly. Introduce yourself very quickly and say, please pray with me about this Say it, and then y'all begin to pray for one another. Give a couple of minutes, and then we'll close out. Go ahead, right now. Find somebody. Father, in the name of Jesus, we make that declaration. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit is just more and more making us your children. More and more making us your sons and your daughters. Father, I pray for those that are actually away from your table. I pray that they would respond to the drawing of your spirit. The true elder brother that goes after all of us to bring us back to your table. Bring us back in relationship. I pray those that are actually away that are responding and they'll come in repentance. And by your grace be made your sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. I pray for those father that are actually at the table but for whatever reasons feel alienated. They are your sons and daughters, but whatever life has done to them or people have done to them or what their own choices have been that make them feel like they're not your child, they feel like they, they really aren't close to you, I pray in the name of Jesus by your spirit right now. There would be a whole new sense of intimacy and a whole new sense of security that would just be wrapping around them right now. Father God, we just thank you. You did not leave us alone. But you came after us 
in your Son, and now by your Spirit, that we truly might be your children. Let it be so today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God praise in His house.